they are the contact person for those girls sports for those other head coaches and the growth and just seeing their confidence when they have to when they have to deal with a difficult issue that's been really rewarding hello and welcome to the dactronics experience podcast We're here with another special edition of the podcast for a recent Women in Sports online event, this time with Leslie Slovak. She's the Executive Director of Athletics for the Richardson Independent School District and President-Elect for the Texas High School Athletic Directors Association. She shares her experiences and talks about chasing opportunities to serve. So very excited to be here for our second Women in Sports online uh, conversation. It's really a conversation. Um, I want to introduce somebody to you that um, I've had the pleasure of being friends with her for a really, really long time, even before my time here at Dectronics. And um, she is beloved at the at Dectronics. She's beloved in the sports industry. And um, like I said, I'm very proud to call her a friend. And she's going to tell us a little bit about how we got here, why we got here, and that is our VP of Global Services, Sarah Rose. So, Sarah, if you could just kick it off for us, just to give everybody a little idea of kind of how we got here. Yeah, thanks, Diane. That was wonderful. We are so excited to have all of you here. So this kind of was a brainstorming, oh, I don't know, six months ago when I started to think about there's so many women involved in sports and who work with Dactronics, how do we bring those women together for an opportunity to learn from one another? There are just so amazing, so many amazing women in our industry. And so the idea came is why don't we start a webinar series where we invite guests in who can tell us a little bit more about their journey, their careers, and we can all come together to learn, ask questions, and network with one another. So I am so excited. We have just a wonderful array of people on the line as well as the guests that we have, and it's just been such an enjoyable experience. So thank you, Diane, for that. Thank you, Sarah. But Leslie is an accomplished athletics professional with a career spanning 29 years within the Richardson Independent School District. As a trailblazer in her field, she currently is the executive director of athletics for RISD, as well as the president-elect for the Texas High School Athletic Directors Association. She is the first female in this role, I might add. And Leslie was also named 2022 and 2023 Texas Region three athletic director of the year. Throughout her time, she has exhibited a passion for empowering women in the world of athletics and continues to push forward that excitement and fire today. And what a program you have there. That video is amazing and I think just outlines what can happen when you truly serve from your heart, right? So I just want to start out because I'm always interested in how people got there. How did how did, tell us how about your journey. I know you have had many kind of stops along the way as a, a head volleyball coach and, and now serving as the executive director of athletics, but tell us how you got there. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for the opportunity. Anytime you get a chance to talk about athletics, kids, leadership, um, it's just incredible opportunity. So thank you. You know, I really believe it started um, when I was really young. I fell in love with sports and I knew in eighth grade that I wanted to teach and coach. And I was fortunate enough to play college volleyball and then fortunate enough to be named head volleyball coach at Berkner High School right out of college, which what an incredible opportunity. But I'm 22 years old. I'm I'm barely older than the the players I'm coaching. 
I was in the right time, uh, right place at the right time with, with people that just took a chance on a, on a really a young kid who wanted to coach and was just passionate about, about coaching and about kids and, and just loved the game. And I, and I loved the life lessons that you could teach, you know, through athletics uh, I was fortunate enough after six years of being the head coach, uh, the assistant AD position came open in Richardson ISD. And I knew that I would miss the kids if, if, I, if I got the job. But, but I also knew if I didn't get the job, then it's not meant to be. And maybe I'll get into athletic administration later. And I guess it was meant to be right place, right time. People that believed I was the right fit for whatever reason. Uh, so I served as assistant AD for 15 years. Uh, under an incredible leader, leader and mentor in Bob Doobie, just um, person who hired me right out of college, also hired me to be the assistant AD, and I got to to serve with him in a leadership role as an assistant, and and watch just the way he served, and he just that servant heart. Um, so incredible opportunity to spend 15 years with someone who did everything the right way, and then after he retired. I was fortunate enough uh, to be named the athletic director, and I'm in my eighth year and just blessed. I, I say it all the time. I have a get-to job. I get to do this, so definitely blessed. That is one thing that that we share. I say that all the time um, that we get to do this. We get to work in sports. We get to we get to enjoy what everybody else is coming to watch. Um, I want to go back that you said you you knew it in when you were in the eighth grade that you wanted to do this. Was there somebody somebody prior to your professional experience maybe that had an influence on you that made you feel that way, or was it just kind of a, a inspiration that came from within? I think it started out from within uh, in junior high. You know, I had, you know, a junior high coach. I know Coach Lawrence and, and she pushed me and and I loved I just loved the team uh, concept and that culture that that I felt like I identified in junior high that this is really special to be a part of a team. And then in high school, it was my high school coach, Michelle Schuper, who's still coaching to this day. Talked to her this weekend. She called to check on me. And it's those relationships. And I thought, I really want to do this because I could not imagine being away from sports. I just couldn't imagine it. And then I thought I could maybe give back and maybe I could be a really good influence and maybe I could make an impact on, on young people. And so what started out as internal, I just think that when you have coaches that make a, an impact, it just it's it's life changing and it's incredible uh, just what coaches do when they're intentional about building relationships. And when it's more about X's and O's, it's so much more than that. And so I wanted to do that and I wanted to be able to give back. And, you know, I'm not coaching kids now, I'm, I'm coaching adults. And sometimes that can be more challenging, but it also is rewarding because I'm, I'm hopefully making a difference and it's not me by myself. It's, it's a team of, of other leaders that we're in it for the right reasons. And hopefully we're making decisions and we're hopefully we're supporting adults so that they can give kids a great opportunity. So that's so great. And one of the things you just said it and you said when we spoke uh, a, a week or so ago, I got the I had an opportunity to meet you first, um, thankfully. But um, one of the things that you said that day is you want to make sure that you're in this business for the right reasons. What 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 are the right reasons? I remember I remember back in my Piston day, Larry Brown used to always say, play the game the right way. And, and you kind of it kind of goes along the same pathway that be in this business for the right reasons. So so what does that mean to you? The right reason? Well, for me, the right reasons are it, it always goes back to kids. We're in the kid business and you can't lose sight of that. You know, so for me, 
in every decision we make, what's best for kids? And what's really difficult when you're in a leadership role as an administrator, sometimes we make decisions that may not be best for an individual and their family, uh, but it may be what's best for an entire group of kids. So that's really hard um, sometimes, but doing things the right way, you know, we're not gonna be a win at all cost. We're gonna follow rules. You know, we're gonna treat people right. We're gonna, when we do have to make tough decisions, we're gonna have conversations and we're gonna stay professional at all times. And I think it comes down to just, you know, being intentional, you know, are we intentional with building relationships? Are we, we're not cutting corners. We're trying to do things above board at all times and doing that with integrity. And I think it's important if you're in a leadership role, it needs to be about finding opportunities and chasing those opportunities to serve and not chasing a title, not chasing a paycheck. It's not about me. You know, it's not about me. It hadn't been about me for a long time. <laughs> Maybe it's about me when I'm in high school and I'm trying to get recruited and I'm, I'm in college. That, that That's about me. But it hasn't been about me for a long, long time. It's about the kids. And that has to be that has to always be in, in my mind in every decision that I make and in every decision I think we have a superintendent that does the same thing I mean she's she's leading an entire district and she makes decisions every day in the best interest of kids and every leader that serves with her should be making those same decisions I love I love how you you talk about the opportunity to serve and and really that's the focus of what of of what you're doing you're not you're not leading you're not the boss you're not you're you're really set up to serve those that are there performing this every single performing these duties every single day who are dealing with with the kids and making it all about the kids so i i'm going to ask you a little different difficult question but how do you go to the to your coaches on a day when when they're serving and you've said like lead with love and grace when you're serving them lead with love and grace but maybe that was a difficult day that maybe some of the I have two children of my own so I know that sometimes they misbehave um but but on a day that maybe things aren't going so great how do you like still encourage and 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 experience set the expectation that you're still serving, even when things aren't that easy, you know, even when it's not winning a championship, maybe it's a, a tough day or somebody didn't show up to practice. How do you encourage your team to serve in that role? That's a great question. And I think you have to, you have to build a, a solid foundation and it has to be based on what did you do before things got rocky, before things, before there's a bad day, a bad week or a bad month, were you intentional about building that relationship? And I think it's important that we remember kids have bad days, so do adults. And so it may be as simple as, as sending them a text and just checking on them. Uh, it may be that you're at a game and I'm watching in the body language and I can just tell they're frustrated. And so it may be that I'm going to send them a text, checking on them, but I'm also going to set up a time to try to say, hey, why don't we meet in person? Because face-to-face -face conversations if I can give someone my time, that says immediately, you matter, you're important. And we have over 200 coaches, but I have an open door policy. And sure, it's easy to send a quick text, but why don't you send me some times in the next week that work with your schedule and let's set up a time for you to come in and let's meet face to face and find out what's going on. There is no telling what they're juggling at home, what's going on in their personal life. It's the same thing I expect the coaches to do with their kids. Kids don't get up and go to school and go, I hope I mess up today. 
Nobody goes to work and says, I hope I really screw up today and make the boss mad. And so we need to show grace, but are we, are we taking the time to pause, tap the brakes and just have a conversation and find out what's really going on before we have to address and have some difficult conversations about maybe something that they didn't handle correctly. Maybe it was the way they communicated to a parent. Maybe it was lack of communication, but hopefully I've done, you know, I hope that I've done the groundwork ahead of time to build a relationship. So sometimes those difficult days, maybe it's a little easier to get through those if they trust who's leading them. Agreed. And I think that's a really, really, really great answer. Um, I want to lead to a different kind of back up a little bit to go back to your journey a little bit. So I'm going to pivot here just a little bit because um, I know that we have a lot of people who are on the call who um, maybe are early in their careers and aspire uh, to to achieve the level of of success that you have been fortunate to do. What advice would you give um, especially to females who aspire to a, a career in athletics? First, I would tell them that you're enough. You know, who you are, the belief in yourself and representation matters. Um, We need people in leadership roles that are male, female. We come from different backgrounds, different races, different ethnicities, different. We grew up in a different environment. Representation really matters. And so to not sell themselves short and to have that belief that I belong and that I am enough. But you have to have that belief, but you also have to do the work. And we live in a society where we want everything just instantly. It's a me society. We have at a touch of a button, we can get any information we want. We want everything now, now, now. I think we have to be patient and be where your feet are. Be all in. Where do you add value? You know, in your current role, if you want something different, if you want a promotion, you've got to remember you're being interviewed every day. And you've got to be all in whatever your role is and whatever your job is, add value and do it today. Don't it's not a light switch where you get to turn on in six months when a job is posted, you know, within your company or within your school district. And it's not something you can just go, okay, now I'm going to go for this. But you haven't done the work and you haven't rolled your sleeves up and and gone to the people you you work with and say, can I help? Where can I add value? Um, I look at some of our coaches right now and I have my eye on them. They, they add so much value to their campus. And I'm like, that's a leader, you know, that that's a leader. That's somebody that needs to be in athletic administration. I feel like I've already identified a lot of those and it's because they're all in and they're adding value in their current role. And I think that's so important. What's, what's the number one um Uh, personality trait that you see, maybe personality trait isn't the right word, but what's the number one asset that you see in somebody that makes you say that person is a leader? They're a kid magnet. They can relate to kids and be a great role model, but they're also a great communicator with kids and adults. I look at it and I think even in tough times, they stay calm, they stay professional, they can problem solve and they do it with integrity. And they they do it at a level where I just know they're going to take care of kids and they're going to make the right decision. And then if they do mess up, they're going to they're going to own it. And they're going to say, you know what, Leslie, I didn't handle this very well. You may get an email tomorrow. I had a situation last night at a game and they get in front of the problem and they don't allow us to get blindsided. And it's just it's a global way of thinking. Big picture. You know, a lot of times we get very tunnel vision with just our goal and we don't see the big picture. Um, it's really difficult 
Sometimes if you're not in a leadership role leading a large number of people, it's hard to see the big picture, but I think there's some that can do it. They already have that about them that they lead with integrity. They see the big picture. You can just tell they, they just have that, that in them. It's inside of them to lead. Yeah, I agree with you. And um, I want to switch over and pivot a little bit to um, women, women leaders, but women's athletics in general. Um, I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, after we spoke last week, we had a football game here in, I live in Rochester, Michigan, and we had a football game and I have twin daughters who are 17 years old and they are captains of the golf team. Not much is said about the captains of the golf team. I'm just going to tell you, <laughs> you don't hear about them often, but I thought it was so great that at the football game, they invited the girls out to do the coin toss. And then I'm kind of tear up telling you this. <laughs> they, they invited the girls out to, to do the coin toss. And I thought, wow, that was a really great move to give some, you know, to give props to some uh, people, some athletes who maybe wouldn't have gotten as much as the football players do or the cheerleaders do or, you know, everybody else. How in your role, um, what's your biggest challenge and how have you overcome that as far as as maybe those those not only women's sports, I guess, but maybe those lesser known sports, making sure that that everybody gets the shine, because I'm sure everybody's hitting you up for my child needs this and my child needs this. How do you manage that? And 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 maybe you could give us an example of something that you've done um, to promote that. Well, I think one one thing that we try to do a great job of is remembering that the most important sport is the one your kid plays. So in everything that we do, you know, so golf is the most important sport because that's that's what your kids play. And then this parent has a cross country runner and this kid has a tennis player and this kid has, you know, a baseball player. And so we provide all the needs. So financially from my office with our budget, you know, we're going to take care of all the needs and we're not a pay for play, you know, sport. I mean, you can actually be in our athletic program and it's not going to cost you any money. We're going to take care of all your needs booster clubs and some other resources, maybe your wants, you know, but I just think making sure that I'm looking at everything, what are we providing for, for one team over another and making sure that, that there's equity there and then making sure that are we, are we celebrating everyone on social media? You know, it's important that, you know, I know we're about to send some cross country runners to regionals and we're going to celebrate them. And then we do a great job, I think, at the campus level. Our principals and our coordinators celebrate all sports at the campus level. But for me, it's really making sure we're taking care of everybody's needs. And when parents do call, they're going to get the same amount of attention, whether they're a golfer or parent of a cross-country runner or the, the quarterback's mom or dad. You're, gonna, you're, you're a parent of an athlete, and I'm going to listen. I mean, that's just, to me, the, the only way to do it. I mean, every single sport is important. Every kid's experience is important. And it's my job to make sure that that everything that we do, that you can see that and you feel that. And if you don't, then I'm going to be receptive. Tell me why you feel that way. You know, let me know. And, and sometimes maybe we messed up. Maybe it's a breakdown in communication or maybe it's a misunderstanding. And, and maybe we really did mess up somewhere. And most of the time, it's just a breakdown in communication and you can sort through it. And parents just want to to be heard. And I'm going to pick up the phone and call. They're not going to get a long email back from me because I'm going to make it more personal. And I'm going to call and we're going to talk through it. And 90% of the time, it's going to work out. 
and they're going to be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So that is amazing. And the fact that you are able to advocate for so many is, is really fantastic and that you do. I'm going to flip it a little bit. What advice would you give to everybody who's on the call? Because I think it's really difficult as women, we always want to advocate for other women, but sometimes it's, it's, it's like, what does that mean? What does it mean to actually advocate for others in that? So, so if you were giving a piece of advice to everybody on this call on how they can advocate for others, what, what would that advice be? I think it would be, you know, communicate, reach out when you have questions. I mean, who's in your circle? You know, for me, we have an incredible state association and an incredible region of athletic administrators, male and female. But I, I have a circle of people that I reach out to and I don't have all the answers. And so whatever your role is in your job, who are you reaching out to and who are you learning from? You know, because you're, that's what's gonna be important. That's how you grow. Do you ever sit down and talk to someone about how did you work through this issue? We're having this issue. We're having this problem. and. I mean, we're better together. I'm not going to, you know, if you're in a silo making all these decisions and thinking you have all the answers or thinking you have to figure it out. I think a lot of times we think if you're in a leadership role and you get a promotion and you're leading a lot of people, that means you're smarter than everybody and you have all the answers and you're going to, you can figure it out on your own. And I think it's the opposite. I think you better have a circle of people that you trust that you can reach out to. And you're stronger together and you're going to learn from each other. And I think that that's something that's been eye opening to me about when I first got into administration as an assistant AD, it was so nice to have people just say, hey, do you ever want to be an athletic director? And yeah, I would love to. And and I learned from so many different people and I still do. And so now I'm looking I'm at the towards the end of my career. So now I'm like, OK, how can I help grow other leaders? So we created an, an aspiring leadership academy in Richardson ISD, and we have 48 coaches signed up that want to be in a bigger leadership role than what they're in now. So they either want to be a head coach, a coordinator, or they want to be an assistant AD or an AD. So the other part is, what are you doing to help grow other leaders? And the only way to do that, in my opinion, is to, to look at it from a team. I think I've just, I've loved playing team sports all my life. So that's the way I operate. It's not going to be in a silo. It's going to be on a team and we're going to we're going to go through things together and we're going to learn together. And I'm going to try to when I have a big decision to make, even sometimes I'm going to bounce that off of my small circle of people and friends and colleagues that I know have been through something similar. So I want you to elaborate on that. First, I want to tell anybody who's on the call, if you have a question and you want uh, me to ask a, a specific question, feel free to throw that in the chat. And my dear friends, Melissa and Val will will feed those questions to me. So um, just put it put it in there and we'll try to get to everything. But I want to continue talking about that because I know you have a group of women ADs that you connect with regularly. Um, tell us about that group and how often you meet and, 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 and what they kind of provide for you. You know, um, friendship, um, just confidentiality, you know, um, a sense of just support. And we really see each other once a month at regional meetings. We see each other at a state conference or a fall forum that's coming up. Um, there are times where we'll schedule, I'll schedule a lunch with someone, but we all have such crazy busy schedules. So many times our communication is really done through text, a, a group text or a phone call. 
And a lot of times it's just checking on each other. I said years ago to somebody, you better check on your strong friends because I think a lot of times we think, oh, that person, they're successful. They're, they're doing great. They're a leader. I mean, we need to make sure we're checking on each other just because everything looks like you have it all figured out and you're strong. That doesn't mean you're not going through a lot with your personal life or at work. And so it's really just a check-in and it's not something that um, it's not like, Oh, every, you know, every week we we're meeting at this time or we're going to talk at this time. I wish we could do that. I think it's just not realistic because we have such busy jobs and we're always putting out fires or trying to figure out a way to solve a problem. But, um, and they know who they are, you know, I'm not going to name them because I'm afraid I'll leave somebody out, but they know who they are and are, and, and it's the same way. We're in an organization where I'm so proud of our male athletic directors that have welcomed us, in my opinion, with open arms. When I was named AD, I had more male coaches text me thanking me than even our female coaches. And so maybe I, I'm just blessed. It's all I know. But in my district, um, it, it's a non-issue. It's not like, oh, we have a female AD or this is brand new. I mean, I still hear that sometimes. But I've been so it's just been open arms. It's like we believe you can do the job. Here are the resources that you're going to need. And then I've been fortunate enough to surround myself with a lot of great people. Uh, I have an incredible assistant AD. Um, I have an incredible office staff. And then I have an incredible group of people in this region, in this state that are mentors. That's amazing. That's really, really great to hear. Tell us about a, maybe a, a challenge that you had, though, because I'm sure that that didn't come without challenges. And, and being a female in your position where you do have, you know, so many um, male subordinates and male counterparts, right, where you have to, to exist. Talk about a, a, a maybe a challenge that you had in that. Right. That's a great question. I think it was probably the first time I had to help make some big decisions with um designing like uh, our indoor practice facility, which we call our multi-purpose athletic facility. Um, you know, when you walk into a room and you're the only female, or maybe you're one of two females and there's all these architects and then it's construction workers. And it's, I mean, it, you know, there's 25 men in the room and you're the, you're one female in that room or maybe two, that can be a little intimidating but I think just remembering why I'm there and, and do your homework. Like I came in prepared. I, I knew what, what we needed. I did my research. Um, and I think I had, I had a lot of respect. I mean, I, I didn't, I felt welcomed. Um, I was intimidated, but that was because of me. It wasn't anything they did. And then once you do that more often, you just get more comfortable. And it probably helps that I truly love athletics. And so I can talk football to football coaches and I watch it and I can talk basketball to our basketball coaches and they know that I'm going to fight for them. And it doesn't matter, male, female, whatever the sport is. I mean, I love it. I'm a true sports fan. Um, but you're right. I think it I think when I was younger, it was a lot more intimidating being maybe an assistant AD, walking into some meetings for the first time when there were not a lot of female athletic administrators. Now, those numbers have grown and, and hopefully they'll keep growing. But um, I would say the, it was more intimidating maybe as an assistant AD uh, than it was even as an AD. Do you feel like you had more pushback from when you were an assistant AD? Like maybe maybe yes. you were maybe you were confronted a little more or, or? Right, a little bit. I mean, I can remember a couple of times conversations with people that um, 
you just kind of felt like, and I'll give you an example. I, I'm an assistant AD and it's, um, it's 530, nobody else is in the office. And at that time you came to our office to get a senior citizen card. So if you were a senior citizen and you lived in, in our area, you could get a card to go to the games for free. And this man came in, it was after hours, he's knocking on the door, the door's locked. I open the door and he says, can I get a senior citizen card? And of course I was in the middle of something, but I, I stopped it and, and I said, sure. And I made him a senior citizen card and took good care of him. And he said, thank you so much. Secretaries sure do deserve a raise. And I just said, I agree with you and smiled and told him to have a good evening. And I didn't correct him and say, I'm an assistant athletic director and I'm going to be an AD one day. I know it. Like, I didn't feel like I needed to do that. But in that moment, that man didn't think there's any way I was an athletic director or an assistant AD. And I'll never forget that. And so I do think representation matters. I want little girls to see females in, in all different types of roles and know that, okay, I want to do that. I can do that. And I think that's important. That's something that just stuck with me. And that was a long time ago. I think that, I think, I think we've all been through situations like that. I know I, I have stories like that, that I can tell you throughout my career. Um, I, I, I got caught on something that you said earlier, and that is, you know, being prepared and being able to talk the talk and being able to, especially when it comes to women in sports. That's what I um, have found. I can't tell you how many times I have had somebody say to me, typical, typical female knows nothing about sports. I've heard that more times than I care to ever admit. But being prepared, I think, is really important. I used to tell um, I've. Back in my time with the Detroit Pistons, I, I managed our dance team and we used to send our dancers out to be interviewed on the on the radio. And I was like, whatever you guys do, you need to be prepared when they ask you to name the starting five. You need to be prepared to name the starting five. And if you don't know it, you need to go home and study it. So how much emphasis do you put to your coaches and your female coaches on, on being prepared for, for what's coming towards you? You know, a lot, a lot of emphasis. So when someone reaches out to me and I tell any of our coaches, if you want to eventually be a head coach, coordinator, or in athletic administration, please set up a time to come meet with me. Uh, and I have several of those meetings coming up and, and I block off my calendar and we meet for 45 minutes to an hour. And I talk to them about preparation because you don't know when the opportunity is going to come up. So we may talk about, you know, do you have your master's? Um, are you attending any type of uh, conferences? You know, what is your end goal? What, what is what are you worried about? What do you think it's like? Um, we talk about interview skills. What does your resume look like? Um, you know, just are you prepared? Because it's just it cannot be something where you just go, you know what? That looks like it would be a fun job. I think I'm going to go do that. You have to prepare now because I think about for me, I was just a sponge and I was taking in everything as an assistant AD, you know, for 15 years. And I was learning and I was fortunate to work for someone who allowed me to have a seat at the table. You know, I didn't, I wasn't over just female sports or just junior high. I was able to walk into those meetings like you talked about with all men. And it was because I had a mentor in, in Bob Doobie that allowed me to do that. And so I felt like I was prepared, but I will say it doesn't matter how much you think you're prepared until you sit in that seat and you have to carry that load of being the leader of that program you cannot prepare for how heavy it is. If I could bottle up how heavy it is, 
and give that to somebody to say, this is what it's going to feel like when you get that promotion and you're sitting in that seat. I wish I could do that. I wish someone could do that for me because I really thought I was prepared and I'll be the first to say it is lonely. It's harder than you think. And it's heavier than you think. Yes. Everybody always wants to sit in the seat until you got to sit in the seat. Right. That's what I that's what I always say. Everybody always thinks they want to be in charge until you have to make those difficult decisions. If you had somebody today, though, and they were maybe, you know, just coming out of high school, heading into their college, how would you let's let me rephrase that coming out of college, not coming out of high school, but coming out of college. And they decided that as a female, they want to follow your path. Where's the Mm -hmm. first place that you tell them to start? I think it'd be great for everybody to start at a junior high. I did not start at the junior high level, and I have so much respect for junior high coaches. They're the foundation of what we do. So I think it would be best to to even go coach just one or two years at a junior high and be all in, all in to the point where you're not only are you all in at your campus, but you're reaching out to that head coach of that sport at the high school, and you're going to go shadow them. You're going to help scout. You're trying to learn from them because if you do that, you're going to probably be promoted and then you're going to go to the high school and you're going to learn everything you can being an assistant. And there's going to be some times you're going to learn things. I would do it that way. Sure. That was great. Or you know what, if I ever get an opportunity to be in charge of a program, I probably will change that a little bit. Maybe I'll do something different. And I would tell them spend a couple of years at a high school and then really go sit down with your AD or assistant AD if you really want to be in athletic administration and do it early in your career and just talk about what are some things I can do now to prepare. One time I told a coach that um, he said to me, I guess you know that I really would love to, to have your job one day. I really would want to be an AD someday, but I'm sure you knew that already. And I said, coach, I had no idea. Like, how do I know that? Don't don't assume somebody knows. And he goes, really? And I said, really? I have no idea. Just because you're at a high school and you're a head coach, not every head coach wants to be an athletic administrator. So let me know so that I can help you. Because don't assume that I know. Not everybody wants to be, uh, everybody I think should be a leader in what they do, but not everybody wants to lead a large group of people. And not right. everybody wants to lead adults. And not everybody's built for it. You're, you're right. absolutely that's right. Okay. Yeah. And that's okay. That's okay. Did you feel intimidated when he said that to you, when he said, you know, eventually I want your job? A little bit, because that's a true story. And I thought, because I've never said that and would never say that. And it's okay. I just think we have to give some grace and respect to, he didn't mean it in, in, in any way other than, I think we have a great relationship. He meant it almost as a compliment. Like, I want to do what you do because you're making an impact. And I, that, so knowing him, and there's context behind it. But yeah, at first I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I'm not done with my job yet. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, I really hope I can stay here if they'll keep me, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite over. I'm not quite done with my yeah, job yet. I'm not quite ready to retire yet. Um, yeah. I just think it's, it's a good reminder. Don't assume that people know what you want in your path. Like whatever role you're in right now, if you want something different, have you talked to the people that make the decisions that can make that happen? Don't just assume that they know. Right. And 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 ask the question, how can I prepare myself for this? What can I do to, to make myself ready? I'm going right. to switch a little bit because I want to make sure that we. I have a couple questions that have come in. Don't forget, if you want to ask a question directly, you guys just put it in the chat and Melissa and Vale will ask me. So I'm going to ask you two, two separate thoughts here. The first okay. one is... 
I'd like to hear maybe your most memorable moment or memorable experience with a student. Okay. And then I would also love to hear like a memorable, like something you're super proud of that of someone you've mentored. I'll remind you of the second question. So you don't have to, you don't have to remember, but the first, okay. I just wanted to prepare you. So you, you separated them a little bit, but so the first one is a story of a, of a student that you had an experience with that is something good or bad that you'll never forget. It was probably a situation where I was really young. Like I said, I was the head volleyball coach at a high school, 22 years old, right out of school. And all of a sudden, this girl walks in my office and she said, do you need a manager? Like, I would love to be a manager. And I said, well, sure. Can we talk about that? And so we talked a little bit and she said she wanted to travel with us and she'd be at all the practices and everything. And she started out doing that and then she would miss a couple of times. And then it was just heartbreaking. I realized that she came from a family or a background that was just something I could never imagine. Um, she was being abused, you know, at home. And I noticed some signs and I noticed some physical signs and I knew I had to tell somebody. And that was something that I'll never forget. Having to tell a counselor and then CPS getting involved. And then I do feel like after that point, it got worse, but by law I had to report it. And so she came back, she was kind of in and out and came back. And it was the first time I realized there are gonna be kids that need your program. Your program doesn't need her. Our program did not need this young lady. We are gonna be fine with or without her. But what our kids learned is they also learned grace and they learned they didn't know everything, but I think they even realized because I treated her with respect and I made her feel apart. And I, I would let her come in and do homework in my office and I would have conversations. I didn't treat her like she was less than my team because she was part of the team, but we did not need her. She needed the program, but I think our kids learned a lot from her. And what really breaks my heart is that um, I'm not sure exactly what happened because it got, it got really bad. And there were times where she just couldn't show up anymore. And, um, I'm afraid she may have even been placed into the foster care system, but it was just eye opening that it's more than, it's so much more than a game, you know, those mm -hmm. life lessons. And so that's just a memory I'll never forget. That stands out more to me than making a playoff run or, or anything else. But, you know, the other one that will always stand out is we made it to the regional tournament and I was not allowed to go because I was nine months pregnant. And my doctor said, you are not going to have this baby in Huntsville because that's where Dallas to Huntsville. And it's it's not real close. And it was too far of a drive. So my team, the most successful year we had, they go to the regional tournament and I didn't even get to go. And I'm in the hospital talking to my assistant and drawing up you know, a scouting report. And I just remember thinking, I can't believe that I'm missing this time with my, with my kids. Like, I can't believe that I can't go. I mean, I remember thinking to my, looking at my doctor going, what do you mean I can't go coach them? And it's my first baby. So I don't know. And then after I had her, I thought, I can't believe I was so worried about volleyball and I was so worried about my team, but those are my kids too. And that was my family. So that'll be another memory that I'll never forget that my team went to the regional tournament Apparently we didn't play well. We got beat really bad by a much better team. Um, but I had a healthy baby girl and 
it all worked out. You got them both. You got them all across the finish line. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's Definitely. Awesome. Well, what about um, someone that, that maybe you've mentored that has gone on to success that you've watched grow and that maybe you had the opportunity to, to guide their path? Well, I will say, and I'm going to kind of put this in a group without kind of using names, um, but just recently in the last couple of years, we were able to create a new position and it was a girls coordinator uh, that would be at the high school campus level that would oversee all the girls sports. And when you add a new position like that, and it's a position that was needed for years because our head football coach is also our area coordinator and they're trying to oversee everything at not only their campus, but also two junior highs. They needed support, our, our programs needed support, and I wanted to be able to have someone over the girls' programs. And we posted the positions, we hired from within. So I had four internal candidates that are serving in those roles now after a couple of years. And the growth that I feel like it's not just me, it's our assistant AD working with them, it's it's give credit to these four people that that really stepped up and said, I want to lead at, at a bigger level because they're all head coaches. But now they are the contact person for those girls sports, for those other head coaches and the growth and just seeing their confidence when they have to when they have to deal with a difficult issue. Um, that's been really rewarding. And I don't take all the credit for that. I just try to guide them and give them some advice and some things that worked well with me. But I also ask them, what do you think? You know, but they'll call me for advice. I'll I'll ask them what they think. But just the growth in their leadership journey, because it's a journey and we're all a work in progress. But those four coaches, just unbelievable, the growth. And we're better because of them. What's 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 something that and this is really hard because I know it's really when you're used to being kind of that servant, it's really difficult to kind of reflect on yourself, but what's something that you're most proud of yourself? Oh, wow. (laughs) That is a hard one, right? I know. It's difficult to talk about yourself. I don't like talking about myself. Yeah. Um, I will say that it's probably that when people come up and tell me that a coach that I've had the opportunity to help hire, because we work closely with the principals when it comes to hiring, especially head coaches. And when parents come up and say, my kid is having the greatest experience because the culture is just incredible. They're a better young man because of this program or this coach. And knowing that I had some part in that, in the interview process and identifying the right fit at the right time for what we needed in each learning community, I'm really proud of that. And I'm proud that we have four head football coaches, area coordinators that between me and the principal working together and our superintendent, we gave them their first opportunity to be a head coach. And so I love that. I'm I'm not afraid to, everybody needs their first shot. Everybody needs that first opportunity because you, you hear people all the time, well, you need to go get experience. Well, how do you get experience if you don't give them an opportunity? So we have a situation right now where we have four leaders that um, it's their first time to really to lead at this level and to be a head coach coordinator. And they're all four doing a great job. And the culture is exactly matches what the expectation is from our superintendent, from me. Um, So that's rewarding. 
They are very lucky to be able to, to lead and work under you. I will say that. Um, I want to pivot a little bit. You mentioned your daughter. Um, how do you balance that home life with your family? And it sounds like you are available 24-7 to your uh, the people within your community, within your your purview. How do you balance it? How do you balance making sure that you give that your family the time that they need and your family the time that they need? Right. Well, I want to be real honest and transparent and authentic. Uh, I'm not really good at it. Um, I'm getting better, but I hope this helps somebody. You've got to take care of yourself and you've got to take care of your family. You can't pour from an empty tank. And I'm much better now than I was even two months ago, six months ago and a year ago um, at that work life balance. And kudos to my bosses who basically sat me down and have said, you can't be everywhere and you can't be everything to everyone. Um, I have an incredible, you know, office staff, incredible assistant AD. Um, I delegate much better now than I did several years ago. Uh, but it is difficult because we do not have jobs where it's not realistic to say, take a personal day and turn your phone off. Like you just, we don't have jobs that I can do. We can really do that. Um, but I am doing a better job of trying to carve out more time for my family. I have a senior in college and I have a seventh grader and I try really hard to make sure that they're the priority. And I have, I have a husband who's a college professor and I'm trying to do a better job because I have not always been really good at that work life balance. And at the end of my career, I don't want people to say, well, she was a pretty good AD, but man, she missed a lot of time with her family or she, I don't want my kids thinking, I wish mom had been around more. And so I'm really trying to be intentional about that. I'm also being really intentional about my health and taking care of myself. Um, and that's really important. And I have not always been real good at that. That is so important. And I think as women in the sports industry, it's it's not something that you expect. You know, I, I I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but I spent 30 years working for the Detroit Pistons on the team side before I came to Dectronics. Shout out to Dectronics because it's a priority here. Like your your work, you your family comes first and they are clear about it. And I love that about the company that I work for. Um, my my prior life was not like that. And you do. I used to tell people when I when they would say, Hey, I want to work for you, I would say, Listen, there are no holidays in the NBA. Like we work on Easter, we work on Christmas, we work on Valentine, we work on we work on them all. There are games, and I'm sure you experience the same. So um I think that's important for 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 everyone, really, male, female. I, I think it's really important to understand that that sports, it's not it sometimes it's not, it's not nine to five, it's not, it's all things, all times. So so, true. so yes, and I I found um, a balance for sure. You have to find that work-life balance. You, you have to find this balance. And I'll tell you a funny story. Like uh, since I've since I've made the move and I'm not working working game nights anymore, um, my kids have really exposed the fact that I have no idea how to cook. I mean, I have no idea how to cook. Like my, I one of my twin daughters is a much better cook than I am, but <laughs> somehow, some way, they don't, they don't starve. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about um, one of the things that we talked about be before that we said what's imperative to to success, and you read a ton. So, um, is that something that you like recommend to to you people maybe coming up to your leadership staff, to your coaches? Are there books that you recommend? What talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I do. You know, I have a list of books that I really like. And then I have um, 
I really ask colleagues and friends, hey, what are you reading that you like? And I'll be honest, I don't read probably as much as I I, I wish that I, could, I read. I would read more. Sometimes what I will do is, especially with this aspiring leadership academy, I will take a book like Leadership by John Maxwell is one of my favorite, and I will pull out parts of that book. Anything by John Gordon, and I really enjoy podcasts. Um, John Gordon is one of my favorite. Um, but you know, The Coffee Bean by Damon West and John Gordon, The Locker Room by Stephen Mackey and Damon West. Anything that's feel good that shows you. There's something about being intentional, building relationships and being a part of a team. And that those are the books that I'm drawn to. That's what really, really feels good to me. And so, yes, that's the list. We put together a list. We put together yeah. a list. We, we, they might have anticipated this question from me. So. Yeah, <laughs> those are some of my favorite and some of um, my colleagues' favorite. And there's about two or three on there that I still need to get to. But um, but yes, I just think we need to share, you know, reach out. I mean, reach out to other people. That's what I do. Hey, have, what have you read lately or what podcast are you listening to? And um, because it does, it does make a difference trying to put something positive. There's too much negative out there. And so anytime we can put something positive into our brains, into our focus, it's going to make a difference. Awesome. Well, listen, I want to be really respectful of your time. We are coming up on time. Is there anything that maybe I should have said that I didn't or should have asked you that I didn't that that you would want our audience to know? I think one thing I've talked about being intentional, but something I try to work on daily is listening to understand. We so many times we listen, but we're we're listening to respond. And I think it's just a leadership skill that everyone needs to work on is just take a deep breath, let let the person talk and just listen to understand and ask clarifying questions. If you don't understand what they're saying, give them an opportunity and don't listen to respond and just listen to really understand. And remember that everybody is fighting a battle you probably know nothing about. So show some grace. You're never going to regret showing grace. That is so true. Absolutely. Listening is one of the lost art forms, I think. Everybody wants to be really quick to respond. So that is really, really great advice. Um, and, and we are going to send out that list of books. So if you didn't get to, to uh, jot them all down, we'll, we'll follow up with an email after this um, and share that list with you. So Leslie, thank you for sharing that with us. And I think we've put together here some of your, you had so many great quotes when we first had it. And today, I mean, I wrote down a list of them. Um, so we kind of put together a screenshot to kind of capture all of those, all of the maybe um, quotes that we've picked up through chatting with you. So I want to thank you so much on behalf of everybody here for taking the time. Um, this has been spectacular. I knew that the time would fly by. Um, I knew that it would be so easy to talk to you. So I'm really, really grateful for your time and grateful for everybody's time who jumped on. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So, Leslie, thank you so much. It was so great to meet you. Thank you so much. And thank you to Dactronics and for the opportunity. And for everybody listening, don't forget, take care of yourself. And if I can ever do anything to help you, please reach out. So, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dactronics Experience Podcast. Please subscribe at your favorite place to listen to podcasts to keep up with our latest episodes. 